You know, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. I, it's, it, one of my favorite things is to have like a two-part series because it means that like the pressure's off this week for it to be practical. You know what I'm saying? So I could always say that next week that's what's going to get Lamaisa. You know, so this week will All right, so I have to get ready for Lagbam. You know, it always bothers me that Lagbam is not like Asr Bermalacha, you know? It's not a Okay, so we do the best we can, uh, you know, with the form of Lagbamer that we have as Manazah. Okay, so I want to talk about something tonight that uh, is pretty fundamental in terms of understanding what Lagbamer is and what we're celebrating. It's something that I, I spoke about in, in a little bit of a different way, a little bit of a different way. Um, actually, last Lagbamer by the Febrengen. So for those that were there and that remember it, so some of the ideas, I mean, it's, it's coming from... From the same basic place, but you'll see. We'll see where, where it takes us. All right. So the question that we're going to be dealing with tonight is exactly what is the um, what makes Rav Shimbaricha unique in the annals of a Tanoim? In other words, uh, it's well known that Rav Shimbaricha is famous in, in terms of Lag Boimer, Besides being a Tana amongst Tanoim by Lag Boimer, so Rav Shimon is the one that gives us the Zara She gives us the teachings of Kabbalah, of Pinimisa Torah, of the secrets of the Torah. And so, okay, so the question is, there's a number of questions that we can begin to, to discuss. I mean, one, the more, a, a very important question is, how is that something that Shavu Nefesh? How is that something that every single Jew can celebrate or should celebrate, right? It's well known, the Rav Aaron of Karlin would uh, call out, and it's well known like this, that Kashem Shakadosh Baruch Hu just like God's for every Jew, Kach Rav Shimon Lakol, so to Rav Shimon's for every Jew, Afil Chusim, even for the lowest Jew. So Shimon is for the lowest Jew, and so Lag is a yontif that every single Jew should and can participate in. And so the question is, okay, so Shimon Rechai is coming to reveal secrets of Torah and the Zara Kaddish that doesn't seem to be something that every Jew participates in. So that's question one. In what way does, is Rav Shimon's yontif a yontif for all Jews? That's number one. Number two, there were, there were other tzaddikim amongst the Tanayim that were mukubalim, that were Kabbalists, they knew Pneum Satur, they knew the secrets of Torah, and taught the secrets of Torah. They were, they were, they were swarm written in, in Kabbalah that preceded the Zara Kaddish. There we have the Sefer Bo here, the Sefer Kana, traditions of Pneum Satur goes back to Meshur Abenu. So the second question is, that's what we're going to be focusing on in terms of the Maram is what exactly makes Roshan unique, and what makes the Zara Kaddish unique, and that that's the person that we say is the one that reveals Pneumisa Tarata, sees the conduit of that uh, side of Taira. The Zara Kaddish contains within it the secrets of Taira. There's other Svar. And there are other greater, there, there, there are great Tzaddikim, uh, there are great Tzaddikim and maybe even greater than Roshim Baruchai in terms of understanding and even teaching Pneumisa Tarata. So the question is, what makes Roshim unique? Okay, so those are two questions. Number one, how is Roshim's uh, Taira something that every Jew can celebrate? And number two, what makes Roshim Baruchai's Torah unique as opposed to other Tanayim that also taught Kabbalah? Okay, so if you take a look at Maramukha number one, so this is a piece from Narizal in Sharma Mari Rajvi. Okay, it's one of the Svarm from Narizal where it's a commentary on the Zahar Kaddish or selected pieces from the Zahar. And it's a, it's a piece where the Arizal is coming to explain what makes Roshim Baruchai unique and what makes the Zahar Kaddish unique. And it's a little bit, uh, we'll see, uh, it's surprising. Da. So let's just go through it. We're not going to be able to understand everything right now. Maybe towards the end we'll be able to unravel some of the lines over here, but let's just go through it. Da. You should know, ki nishamis tzaddikim, there are two categories, there's two different types of nishamis when it comes to tzaddikim, and tzaddikim who, who are particularly charged 
with the mission of giving over the secrets of Tyre. Two different types of Nishams. Yeish mehem bechines ar hamakif. There are some tzaddikim, and again, who are charged with that mission of giving over secrets of Torah, and their neshamas are described as coming from a surrounding light. Okay, we'll see what that means, a surrounding light. And the second category of tzaddikim, they're also charged with giving over secrets of Torah, but their souls don't come from a surrounding light, rather their souls come from an inner light. So it's a surrounding light, inner light. What does that mean? So he says like this, those, the first category, the neshamas that are coming from a surrounding light, surrounding always means something that you don't fully understand, right? It's like even in English we say, you know, when, when you wrap your head around something. So when you wrap your head around something, it means that it's in your head. That's an inner light. So inner light always means something that you comprehend. A surrounding light means that it's like hovering around you. But you don't really get it. You sort of, it's all over the place. You don't really fully get it. So he says, Those neshamas that are described as coming from the surrounding light, the type, the style of giving over secrets of Torah that, they, that they're able to do is as follows. They have the unique ability of speaking about secrets of Torah in a way that even when they're saying over secrets, it's very concealed and very hidden and over the heads of most people that are even listening to them. These Sadiqim have a particular ability of being able to give over secrets in a way that the people that are listening won't necessarily even know that they're being told secrets. Those that know how to discern it will pick up on, the, the, the ones that need to know will know. But those that don't need to know and don't understand They'll, they'll listen to it, it'll be nice, but it'll be completely, they'll be completely oblivious to what's really being said. <coughs> so in other words, so let, let's break it down. So it says there's two different types of neshamas. There are some neshamas that, again, a, a simple, the simple words that he seems to be saying is that there are certain neshamas that their way of giving over secrets of Torah is straight and blunt and sumzach. <coughs> they say it like it is. And those sadikim are called an inner light. In other words, it, they, what they say is, is with clarity. Clarity and transparency. And because of that, those tzaddikim have to be very careful who they're speaking to. Because they could, they, if since, what, since the secrets that they're going to say are going to be out in the open, right, they're going to say it as it is, without any concealment, without a muscle, without uh, anything hidden over it. They're, they're saying it as is. So they could only speak to the audience that are able to receive it. But then there's another type of tzaddik, the surrounding light tzaddik. And that type of tzaddik is someone that can say over secrets of Torah, but in a very concealed, hidden way. And in a way that what? That only people that chap what, what they're talking about will chap. And those that don't chap won't chap. And because of that, they could say over the Torah and the shir to everyone. So because there's no concern of anyone hearing the secrets of Torah and they're not ready for it because they're just not going to hear it. Those are the two types. What makes Rosh Hashem unique is that he was the greatest of all time in terms of the surrounding light neshamas. The ability to say secrets of Torah in a way that's completely hidden and concealed where only if you're worthy you'll understand what he's talking about. And if you're not worthy, you can hear the words and you won't chap at all. Rosh Hashem was the greatest in that way 
And because of that, he had the ability of, of, of clothing the words that he said, and to darshan it, in such a way, that even if he gives it to, a, to, to the rabbim, the only ones that will understand what he's saying are the ones that are supposed to understand. And those that don't understand will just hear a nice share, and hear nice stories and nice, uh, nice things, and it's, it's going to go over their heads what exactly is being transmitted. And that would give him, therefore, the ability to speak about this thing, these, these things publicly because the way he's saying it is in a way that even after it comes out of his mouth, it's still completely hidden. And that's why Rishimim was given permission to write the Sefer Hazayar. Which was not given to his Rabbeim, or to earlier tzaddikim in earlier generations, Asher Kadmulay that preceded him, to write such a Sefer and publicize it. Even though they might have understood and known more about secrets of Tyre, more than Rav Shimon. So the reason is saying it clearly, Rav Shimon was not the greatest of all time in terms of secrets, but he was the greatest in all time in being able to transmit it in a concealed way. To be able to say it, and at the same time, it, it being completely concealed and hidden. That's what was great about him. Avotam who, but the reason why no one else was chosen, no one was great in this chachma, like Rav Shimon, of being able to say it in a way that, that only if you understand properly will you be able to understand. And, this is, and with this we could understand that the greatness of the Zayar is its concealment. is the fact that although you could take it off the shelf and open it and read it, that you can mamish open and read it, and it's still as concealed as if it was closed, if you're not worthy of understanding. If you don't have the proper keys, and the proper introductions, and the proper background, and the neshama for it, you can read it, and it's completely the, the, as, if, as if it was closed. So as opposed to other tzaddikim, who didn't have the strength of Rav Shimon, if they opened their mouths and they spoke secrets of Torah, it's obvious what they're saying. So then you have to be much more cautious who's hearing it. Only the ones that are able to hear. Those that are not able to hear, they can't be part of it. So so in other words, what, what, what the Rizal is telling us is that the greatness of Rav Shemin is not, it seems to be, not in terms of his ability to be Megala, to reveal secrets of Tyre. Adarabha, the greatness of Rav Shemin is his ability to conceal secrets of Tyre out in the open. That even though it's right there and he's saying words, but no one knows what he's talking about. And so he's able to say it, everyone, well, no one, uh, at the same time, no one will be able to pick up on it unless, unless you're someone that understands on your own. <clears throat> and if we're in a certain sense, if we think about this more, again, without, without being, we'll, we'll have to develop this idea, Bez Hashem, very soon. But from that reason right now, what it seems is that if there's anyone that should celebrate Rosh Hashem it's Davka those that don't understand, Right? Because if you think about it, those that are worthy of, 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 of learning and of receiving secrets of Torah, wouldn't they rather receive it from someone's able to, that's saying it, that's saying it clear? As opposed to Mashalim and stories and things that are concealed and, and, and hidden over. I mean, is the Mila of Rav Shimon being able to say over secrets in a way that's all packaged, that, you, that it's not obvious what he's saying, that allows, that allows people into the shir that, that would otherwise not be allowed in, right? So it's those people that should be celebrating, right? So now it's like a little bit of an ironic thing. The great Mukubalim, 
right, that want to be able to hear straight what secrets are, they should not be celebrating the Zarqa. They should not be celebrating B'Shem Reichai. Because if anything, they would much rather have the other type of tzaddik that says straight what the secrets are. But it's Davka the Yidin that would otherwise not be allowed into this year if the tzaddik was able to say straight. And they're only allowed in because Rashimon is uh, playing these games of, of stories and Mashalim and v'chul v'chul and hiding it in such a way. Now they're allowed into the shir, albeit they don't know what's going on, right? But at least they're hearing the words. So now, so, so basically what comes out of this is a very, very funny thing. Number one, the greatness of Rashimon is not his ability to reveal, but his ability, his ability to conceal. That's number one. It's a little bit funny, as we'll see soon. And number two, so who exactly is happy about this? The tzaddikim that are able to understand would l'chara much more, would appreciate better the tzaddik that says it straight. Elamai, who's appreciating Rav Shimon style, those that otherwise would not be allowed into the shir. But now that they're in the shir, they don't have what's going on either. So, who, so who's benefiting from this? Who's benefiting from this? So people that are, that are now in the shir and listening to, to Rav Shimon's tire, but they don't know what Rav Shimon is really trying to say. So... What exactly is gained from this? More than that, this idea of Rav Shimon's strength being in his ability to give over secrets in a way that's concealed seems to be contradicted by the Zarakadish itself. Take a look at Marmok number two. And, and again, Bez Hashem will see how this becomes a simcha for Mamish every year. You'll see. Marmok number two, this is a Zayar in Parshas Achrimais, okay, from this, this past Parsha. It says like this Tani Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda taught. Dara, again, I'm not able to explain a lot of the stuff that's going on here. Not that I, I much don't know myself, but we'll, you'll see. Dara de Rishim Barichai Shari Begave. It's good to hear these words. Dara de Rishim Barichai Shari Begave taught Rabbi Yehuda, the generation that Rishim Barichai lived in. Kul Hain Zakoyen Chasidim. You should know, says, says Rabbi Yehuda, the entire generation were worthy and they were Chasidim. Kulhu dachli chatoninu, they were all God-fearing Jews, they feared sin. Shchinta shari benayu, the divine presence was amongst them. Madaleskin badar achrin, which was not necessarily true with other generations. So Rishim Baruchai's generation was unique. Begine kach, now again, you could ask, so what does that mean? So why did Mashiach come? It sounds like everyone was gewaldic. Okay, there's other places in the Kisari where, he, where, he, where the Rizal ex- explains what does it mean when the Zara Kaddish talks about generations? It might not be the same way we think of, but that's, that's not for now. Beginikach, but I'll call upon him. Says Rabbi Yudah, the generation of Shimon were unbelievably great. Beginikach, because of that, milen inon misparshin v'lo yistamrin. Because of that, they were worthy to have Rabbi Shimon in their generation, whose words were explicit and clear and not concealed. Milen inon misparshin, his words were open and clear, v'lo yistamrin, and not concealed. Bedaran Achrin Lav Hachi, other generations it was not like this. Umilan Derozan Ilain Loyachin Lagala. Other generations were not given permission, others were not given permission to reveal secrets of Torah like Rashim revealed. The Inun Diyadi Mistafi, and those that knew were afraid to talk. But Rav Shimon, but Rav Shimon is not like that. Rav Shimon said words in an open and clear way. Karav Omer Raza Dahai Kra, when Rav Shimon would say over a secret of a particular Pasuk in Chomish, all the chavra that were listening, their eyes would stream with tears over the revelation that was taking place at that moment. The kulon milin to Omar and said Rabbi Yudah, every word that Rabbi Shimon said in terms of secrets of Torah, have a galyan were with open eyes. It was a revealed way. Kamadich siv, like it says by Moshe Rabbeinu, 
Pel Pea Daberboy, Umarvalagachidas, that Hashem spoke to Maisha Rabbeinu face to face with a clear vision, not with stories and not with a mushal, not with any any uh, you know uh, any concealment at all. Straight, Tsumzach, the way it is, that's how Rashim taught as well. Now that seems to be much the opposite of what Darizal said, right? The whole inning Darizal said is that the mile of Rashim is that he was able to say things in a concealed way. And that's what made him unique. Because now you can listen to this shiver, you're not happy what's going on. Rabbi Yudh is saying in the Zarqadh is the exact opposite. The Rashim Barikhai's whole inning is to say it in the most revealed way. And to the point where when Rashim talked, uh, when he spoke, everyone would just be overwhelmed with emotion by the moment because of the revelation that was taking place. His words were misparish and vloyistam and were revealed, they're not concealed. It's the opposite of Darizal. Everything Darizal said is based on the Zayar. Take a look at Marmok number three and others are. There's, there's, there's a number of places, there's many places in the Zayar where this idea comes from, but it's uh, just a couple examples. Marmok number three, again, the Zayar Pasha Shlach. Tochazi says the Zayar, come and see. Less Rishulav Alma, Milan Stimen, No one has permission to say over secrets of Torah and to reveal them. Bar Mimetzina Kadisha, except for the holy lamp. Which is which is Shimon. because the Rabbanu Shalom was masking, the Rabbanu Shalom gave permission, and it's only through Rabbi Shimon that the secrets are able to be mefarsha; they're able to be explained. And his words were said in an open, revealed way. And there won't be such a generation like that with a tzaddik that says it the way it is straight. that has a tzaddik like Rabbi Shimon in it. Until Mashiach comes, such a thing. Okay, so we have an open, it's an open steer. I mean, the, the Rizal, again, the Rizal said that there are, there are tzaddikim that speak clearly, that speak open, right? And, 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 and for those people that understand, that's the best year to go to. But that's not Rabbi Shimon. That's not Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon was able to speak in such a way where everything was mamish concealed and packaged and clothed and what sounds like with mishalim and stories and so on, and in a way that everyone can hear it, but no one's no one's hopping what he's talking about unless unless those people that understand on their own, which is really what's contained in the Gemara, by the way. The Mishnah says in Chagiga that the only way that secrets of Torah should be transmitted is Rebbe to Talmud, one Rebbe to to student, and even even that in a way where the Rebbe speaks, but the student figures it out on his own. In other words, the Rebbe's saying it, but like, like Rav Shimon's style, the Rebbe's saying the words, but the Tal- he's not saying what it is. He's saying it over in a concealed way, and the Talmud has to sort of unpackage it on his own. But again, the problem is, the Zara Kaddish in a couple of places just said the exact opposite. Rav Shimon is all about Gilu, it's all about revelation. Uh, Zara Kaddish says in one place that Rav Shimon Bar-Yichai was talking, and he said, I see right now, I see right now something in a clear way that no human being ever saw since Moshe Rabbeinu's second time in Har Sinai, where the revelation of the Yud Gilmidzrachman took place. So there's revelation. There's revelation. So what's going on over here that the result is not like that? And again, going back to the original question also, which is what is the benefit of, of the result's explanation there of Shimon is saying over secrets in a packaged way, in a concealed way? For the Mekubalim that, that, that want to hear the, the, the actual secrets, they're not being told the actual secrets. For the Hamoinam that are now allowed into the Shir, they don't have what's being said anyway. So what exactly, what exactly is the benefit? Okay, so to answer this question, so we're going to learn a piece from, from the Leshem. Leshem is uh, the great Mekubal, Roshom Yoshev, in the beginning of the 20th century. So, but before we, we, we see the piece inside, let me give a little bit of a background 
of, where, of, of what we're talking about, okay? And the, and the background that I'm going to give you is, is a basic principle that we find. It's, it's not a difficult idea, but it's, a, it's something that in Chabad Hasidus, it's very much used, this, uh, this particular way of presenting the idea. So it's like this. Until now, let, let, let's, let's break down what we have so far. When information, when I'm trying to give over information, that's what we started from with that reason, right? There's sort of two different ways how to give over information, right? Either I can say the concept, I can tell you the concept, <clears throat> or, now, again, let me give you, let me try to give an example. Let's say, let's say, uh, you know what, here, I'll give you an example. You know, everyone knows the story of, uh, of the boy who cried wolf, yeah? Everyone knows this story, okay. So for an adult, for an adult, I could just tell you the point, right? I could tell you the point. The point is, is that I want to give you a lesson in menschlichkeit, which is that if you constantly lie and exaggerate about things, no one's going to believe you. That's the point. Now, that's one way of saying over, saying over that lesson. Now, the problem is, as we know, children are not sophisticated enough to really understand that, when you say it like that, I mean, they can understand the words, but they're not, it's not going to be, they're not digesting it. So what do we do? So we come up with this baloney story of the boy who cried wolf, which is a muscle. That's what a muscle is, right? It's a muscle. And the kid hears the muscle and understands the story. It's an entertaining story. But with time, hopefully, and then the, the, then the, the parent or the mechanic explains the nimshal. And now with time, the child is able, hopefully, to divest Right? to take off that clothing, to take off that, the, the packaging, which was completely irrelevant, Bamas. It's, 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 it's nothing. It was, just, it was there to hide, right? to hide the message right? and to give a little bit of a package to it. Right? If, the person is, if the child is not sophisticated enough, then when they hear the story, they're just hearing the story. They don't even chat that there's, a, that there's an imshal to it. Right? So that, in other words, that's the way... That's the way that's the way it goes. Either, either I, if I have a, a concept which is, um, which is a little bit theoretical, it's a little bit ethereal, it's, it's not tangible. So if you're sophisticated enough, I can give that over, that intangible idea, I could give it over to you straight. If the person is not sophisticated enough, then I have to come up with a muscle. And then the muscle is completely meaningless. The actual muscle is meaningless. It's just there as a way to somehow allow the, uh, you know, the medicine to go down a little bit smooth, a little bit softer. And then hopefully with time, the person could become sophisticated where they can just throw away the muscle and chap the nimshal. That's the way it goes. And so it seems that that's the way we've been thinking, I mean, without maybe articulating it so clearly, but that's sort of the two approaches that, we would, that you would think that Rizal is presenting us. How do, there's, there are secrets of Tyra. There's what's going on in the higher world. There's what's really happening in Shemai. And so there's two approaches. Either one type of tzaddik is saying clearly what's going on in heaven, what's going on in the higher world. You know? And those tzaddikim are able to, to, to say whatever it is, that they, the languages that they have in order to convey such a thing. But the problem is that's going to be only able to be heard by certain people. So the greatness of Rav Shimon, that's what it seems that the Rizal was saying. The greatness of Rav Shimon is that he could come up with a boy who cried wolf type of story. That that boy who cried wolf type of story can contain within it the nimshal, which is what's going on in the higher world. Again, I'm not just using that as a 
you know, it's, he, he, the Zarkovich does not say the boy of Crowdwell story, you understand? But if it's just that, that type of thing, okay? So he comes up with some sort of muscle, right? I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. So <clears throat> the Rizal will talk, the Rishim Barichai and the Zarkovich will talk about, will talk about um, the Rabbanish Loyalam. It's even based on Sukkim like Shir Shir. The Rabbanish Loyalam will, he'll, he'll describe the Rabbanish Loyalam as. Uh, the relationship between us and the Rabbanu Shalom, like, uh, like a father uh, looking lovingly at a son, right? So, so Rabbi Shem says that. What he's trying to convey is some mysterious reality. He's trying to convey that some mysterious reality, what's going on in the higher world, with what the Rabbanu Shalom means in the higher world, his rea- that, the world up there, what the Jewish people mean up there, I don't know, something up there. And so if he was only speaking to tzaddikim that uh, are living in the higher world, he can say what it is. But because he's the other type of tzaddik, right, and he wants to allow everyone into this year, so he comes up with a mashal, and the mashal is a father, like the Rabbanu is looking down upon you with eyes of love, whatever, you know. And so, oh, it's so nice. But really, we're not hopping. We're just, we're getting lost in the boyhood cried wolf story. But the big tzaddikim, when they hear that, they just rip away that mashal, Okay, garbage, and they get to the point, which is the nimshal. What is the nimshal? I have no idea. That that is that is incorrect because if you if you think of it like that, so then we're back to our to our question. Though again, the question is if Rabbi Shimon is saying over is saying over secrets of Torah with mishalim, and the mashal itself is completely meaningless outside of it being a good packaging for the nimshal. Then Mamanashach, if you don't have the nimshal, then 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 is you're just wasting your time. So who so who is this for? Those that chop the nimshal, then say the nimshal to them. And those that don't chop the nimshal, then all they're coming away with is a is a mashal that's meaningless. And number that's number one. Number two, I don't get it. Is Rishim Raichai is he saying things in a revealed way, or is he saying things in a concealed way? From the Zarakadish, it sounds like he wasn't saying Mashalim, it sounds like he was saying in the most revealed way as possible, like Moshe Rabbeinu, Pepe Dabra boy. So he, here's the Nakuda, and this is not. Uh, let's just, you know what? We're just going to read the Leshem inside, and we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see where, where where it takes us. We'll be able to understand. The Leshem is dealing with this issue. The issue that he's dealing with is when you find in he's he's specifically talking about the, the writings of the Rizal and the Zara Kaddish, but the truth is. If you draw back, everything in the Zarya and everything that Rizal is also rooted in a few in, in, in Tanakh. So, for example, Shir Shirim, right? Shir Shirim is everyone knows. Shir Shirim is all mashal, right? So it's all talking about a chassan and a kala, and it really is talking about Hashem and the Jewish people. So, like, so what is that exactly? What does that mean? So, what does it mean? It's a mashal. It means that really what Shir Shirim is trying to convey is something about God's relationship with the Jewish people, but. It's being packaged with this mashal. But do you chop the nimshal? Well, if, 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 you're, if you're, I guess if you're a big makobal and you know what it means in the higher, what's going on in the higher worlds, then you chop what the nimshal is. But if you don't chop what the nimshal is, because you're a regular person, then, then you're just simply getting lost in the, in the boy who cried wolf story. You're not chopping what the lesson is. So what exactly is the point? So how, how, do we, how do we relate? This is a much broader question, which is, Everywhere in Tanakh and Chazal, where, where, abundant, where, where Chazal speak with stories and Mishalim describing Hashem and describing his relationship with the world 
in, in, in physical ways, in physical senses, like, you know, uh, like a father who loves his children or a husband loving his wife and so on. How do we perceive that? It's, the way to think of it on a simple level is that it's a mashal. But, what is it, but what's the nimshal? The nimshal is something that I don't understand. So then I'm just wasting my time focusing on the mashal then. And any conclusion I'm making with the mashal is my own, just I'm getting lost in the story. So like, what, what's, what exactly is being conveyed over here? Listen to what the Leshem says. Ve'ein kol elu hanyanim. So says the Leshem, whenever you talk, whenever you find in the Zara Kaddish descriptions of, of, you know, Hashem's love for us, and uh, like a husband and wife, or a father to a son, or a king to his servants, all these things, in the Rizal, in the Zara Kaddish, in Tanakh, all these things, they are not a mashal. These are not mishalim, like the boy who cried wolf, where the story itself is be'etza meaningless, and all it is is just a package to try to convey a nimshal, and the nimshal be'etzem is, 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 is not the mashal. It's not, that's not how Tanakh works, that's not how Torah works, it's not a mashal, the gizem, klal, and it's not just an exaggeration. Or some sort of vision that Hashem gave to these tzaddikim as a way of trying to give over certain ideas you know, with, a, with like a story or with like an imagery. Rather, it is exactly what is being said to you. What is being, what is being said to you is exactly what it is in the higher world. So, what does that mean? What does that mean? In other words, when we find the, the great, see, let me put it this way. You know, the Zohar Kaddish compared Rosh Hashem to Moshe Rabbeinu. Yeah? So Moshe Rabbeinu, the Rosh Hashem spoke to him face to face, clear, clear, clear. Right? And Rosh Hashem is the same way. What does it mean clear? You know what clear means? Moshe Rabbeinu, the clarity of Moshe Rabbeinu is that Moshe Rabbeinu comes down from our Sinai and he says, Chavra, this is Tefillin. This is Tefillin. Tefillin means, this is exactly a pair of Tefillin. You put it on, that's called wearing Tefillin. What's happening when you wear tefillin? How, what's contained in it? What, there's all different dimensions and layers to this reality, but guess what? The, the boxes that you have in your hand, that's mamish tefillin. That's cool. See, there's, there's always two separate things. The, every, the, there's ideas that I'm trying to convey to you, right? So and when it comes to the world of ideas, so there's everything we've been talking about. I'm trying to give you the idea of, uh, of the boy who cried wolf story, Either I can give you the idea straight or I package it in a mushal and you pick up the idea on your own. But that's all when I'm just trying to give you ideas and sort of you're trying to figure out the ideas on your own. But then there's another type of thing, which is I'm giving you a reality. I'm giving you something that is absolutely objectively true and objectively something that you are experiencing. You might not realize what you're experiencing, but I'm giving you something I'm giving you an experience that is absolutely real and is absolutely objectively experiential. It might take you years to develop a sense of figuring out what that is. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, the human body has different body parts, right? So your eyes are able to see, right? And your ears are able to hear. Now we know that if the neshama, right, when only, the only time that these things work is because the neshama is in the body, right? The neshama leaves the body, the eyes stop working, right? Ears stop hearing. So 
I'll explain something to you. So what does that mean exactly? We, 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 so we, we think of the neshama as just like this floating light orb or something that just like goes in you, okay, and the whole body activates. That's not the way it works. If the neshama enters into your body and all of a sudden, and it fills every single part of your body, and all of a sudden your eyes are able to see and your ears are able to hear, that has to tell you something about the nature of your neshama. So that it must be that even within your neshama, there is a power of vision in your neshama. And there's a power of hearing in your neshama. But the power of vision of the neshama and the power of hearing of the, of the neshama by itself is much more spiritual. But when it comes into the body, then that power of vision now becomes more tangible. And that power of hearing becomes more tangible. The body is not a muscle for the neshama, you understand? It is it is the way that the neshama becomes tangible. The same qualities that the neshama has is now just becoming more tangible and more, it's, it's just descending into a more physical form with the body. See, it's not like the boy who cried wolf, right? The boy who cried wolf, the story itself has, is completely, it's an empty shell to the, to the lesson. Once you get the lesson, disregard the story. It's completely irrelevant. The body is not a story to learn about the neshama. When, when I hug you, that's cool. that, I'm hugging your neshama. When you're seeing, when you're using your eyes to see, it's your neshama that's seeing. The power of vision is a power that the neshama has. That power of vision of the neshama becomes manifest, it becomes tangible, it becomes known, it becomes revealed when it unites with the power of vision of the body. But the body is not the muscle to the neshama. It, it, it's a derivative of the neshama. It's, it's, the, it's, it's just the neshama moving, the power of vision of the neshama becoming more clear to us what that is. Sa- says the Leshem, when, when, you, when, you, when you read in the Sormak Daishem, when Roshim Rechai spoke about what's going on in the higher world, he wasn't trying to give you give you stories and mishalim about what's going on to try to hide it from those that don't understand. He was telling you the reality. He was giving you over that reality. That reality happens to be something that most people won't realize is that reality. When Rishim Rechai is talking about the Rabbanu Shalom loving you like a, like a father loves a child, or a husband loving a wife, or a king loving his servants, that's not a muscle to something else. It means that every single experience of love in this world is a derivative of that love. And what Rosh is saying is that when you experience love in this world, that's called the love of the Rabbana Shalom. That is a reflection of Hashem's love. It's like the Neshama entering into the body. We're now seeing is not just a, a muscle to the Neshama. That, that's called the Neshama seeing. And so what's happening is, is, that, is that when the Rizal said that Rosh Hashem came to hide secrets... He came to hide it. And the Zarek says, no, 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 no. He, 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 was, he, he was revealing it in the most open way. The answer is, what he was doing was, he was hiding, he, he wasn't talking about concepts anymore. Concepts, he wasn't talking about. What he was talking about was trying to, what he, what he was doing was, was bringing us in onto that reality of the higher world. That what's going on in the higher world is exactly what's going on in our world. And everything you see around you is the higher world. So what does that mean? So, so, so on the one hand, that means you're not telling me about the higher world. So on the one hand, so you could describe that as Hashem, that, that Rishim Rechai, is, he's not telling you secrets because you're trying to hear something different. 
But no, no, no. He's telling you exactly what it is. He's showing you what it is. You want to know what it means, what it means, the sphere of the, the divine light of chesed? You know what that is? It's when you love another Jew. That's called chesed. That's called divine light of chesed. So, so I, but, but, by, but you're just telling me about one Jew loving another. So, is that, so on the one hand, you can describe that as hiding. You're not, you're not telling me secrets. Rishim Chazen, I'm not telling you secrets. I'm, telling, I'm showing you reality. If you chop what, what Rishim Chazen is trying to say, then what he's doing is an amazing thing. He's bringing you in to a whole different way of looking at the world that you are already experiencing. That's what Rishim Chazen is doing. So on the one hand, you, so Rishim Chazen is not doing anything. What's he doing? I, I'm, still, I'm still down here. And I'm just hearing beautiful things of things of the, using mishalom and using stories and, and human emotions and, and, and descriptions that are very tangible and very physical. So where, where are you taking me? I thought I'm going, I thought I'm supposed to, when I go to Rishon Baruch Hashir, I thought, I thought I'm going to go on a spaceship and be taken to some, you know, the other dimension where, where there's a completely different language and different types of experiences. The answer is, that's not, that's not the point. The point is, Rishon is trying to bring you into that reality, and that reality is exactly where you are. You want to hear about ideas and concepts? Okay, so we, can, we could come up with other languages to talk about ideas. But if you want to experience God's presence, guess where you can experience that? In your world. In your world. In your human activities. In Torah mitzvahs. Like Moshe Rabbeinu said, this is tefillin. You want to talk about ideas of tefillin? We could talk about, uh, forever we could talk about ideas of tefillin. But Lamaisa, you want to know what villain, you want to experience villain, you want to be able to smell it and to know what it feels like, yeah, then that, it's a, very, it's a tangible reality. That's what Rishim Rechai is doing. Let, let, let's, let's, see, let's see inside how, how the Leshem talks about this, and he's going to do a better job than me, that's for sure. So he says like this, When, when Rishim Rechai is talking about the higher world and he's describing the higher world's reality with mashalim and stories of this world, it's not a mashal. It's not a mashal and it's not an exaggeration. Or some vision that he's using of this world to tell you like a, like a boy who cried wolf to try to get you to, be, to think you know, about ideas that are not in the story. No, 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 no. They are literally as is. They are literally as he's, as he's saying it. What does it mean a father's love for a child? Rishim Rechai is saying is that that's what the Rabbani Shalom feels towards you. What does it mean? So, but what that means, a father's love to a child, it means something on a physical level down here. And, 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 it ha- and it has a much more subtle meaning as you move up. No different than your physical, than what does vision mean? So vision for your physical eyes means something very, very tangible, and vision for your neshama means something a little bit more spiritual. But it is still vision. And when you feel the physical vision of your eyes, that's, it's, it's deeply connected and intimately connected to the vision of your neshama. And when you, folk, and when you try to understand the experience of, of the vision of your physical eyes, that's not a muscle to the, eye, to, the, to the vision of your neshama. That's the tail end of the vision of your neshama. It's the tip of the iceberg, but it's literally the same iceberg, though. When we talk about Hashem loving us like a father to a son, it is exactly like a father to a son. But what does a father's, a father's love to a son mean? So all the way down here, it means something <coughs> earthly. But as you move up the ladder, it becomes more and more subtle, but it still is what it is, which is a father's love to a son. 
Which means that no matter how sophisticated and, and metaphysical it gets, you're still rooted and connected to the actual reality of it. So you might not be able to understand and articulate the subtlety of what it means that your neshama has the power, the power to see. But you're experiencing it when you open your eyes. So you might not be able to explain the words, but you know what you're experiencing. That's, that's the power of Shem He no longer focused on trying to give over esoteric ideas. He rather tried to focus on giving us the, the, the clarity of realizing that, that, that all those esoteric ideas, they themselves are a reality in the higher world that itself descends into the lower world. And when you experience them in the lower world, that's called experience. That's called experiencing these things. And so that, that's the Chiddush of Rav Shimon. So therefore, so, who's, so who gets to celebrate Rav Shemarechai's Tyra? Every single one of us. Because what Rav Shemarechai did is that he opened up not, just, not the ability to understand the higher world. What Rav Shemarechai did is that he gave us the, the real, the, the, he, he ushers us into, into the reality of knowing that where we're living is is a derivative of the higher world. And everything we're experiencing is just a tail end of the same Indian, just on an extremely more subtle level, but it's the same thing. When we talk about, when, again, so when you talk about, it, like in Shir Shir, Hashem loving you, like uh, with an unbelievable, you say in Davin, that Hashem loves us with an unbelievable love, with an eternal love. So what does that mean? So you can think to yourself, like, I'm, like it, it, it sounds even apicarsis, right? Because it could sound like, well, I know what love means, and that's what God feels. So, 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 so it doesn't mean that. So it means some sort of mushal. But what's the nimshal? I have no idea. The answer is, it's not a mushal to a nimshal. It means what it says, which means that God loves you with an infinite love. What does love mean? Well, I know what love means down here, and the love that God feels on, on a God level is that love just on a God level. But it is the same experience that I'm having, just watered down and brought down infinite amount of levels. But it is, it is the same vision. The neshama sees the way the neshama sees, and then when that power of vision moves down the line from neshama to body, then the body sees in that way. But it's, but it's the same power of vision. It's not a muscle, it's the thing itself. Moshe Rabbeinu gives you tefillin, and Rabbi Shem gives you the higher world. He gives you the higher world. It's the same revelation of Maishu Rabbeinu. Maishu Rabbeinu isn't giving us the idea, the concept of Yiddishkeit. Think about this. Let's understand. This is a, a subtle point, and I don't want to get into trouble. But the time, you have to always be cognizant of, I should be cognizant of the time, but uh, you should, we always have to be cognizant of when these revelations were taking place on a historical level. The time that this was happening, Shemar Chai, Rabbi Kiva, this whole Indian, the secrets of Torah being revealed by Rabbi Shimon, was happening at a time where there was another religion, right? Another religion who's rooted in Italy, right, in Rome, that was also developing. But the other religion that I'm talking about, with Yashka, the other religion, the Tumma of that religion, is that everything is just a mashal. Everything is just a mashal. What does it mean, brismila? It's just a mashal. What it means is, uh, I don't even know. Yes, and what does it mean exactly? Whatever your particular priest tells you at the time, as and it, you know, as long as it, it puts money in his pocket, so that's called that's called bris mila. It, it's a mashal. What is the nimshal to? No idea. So everything's just a mashal. That's what that that's what that religion does to Taurus Moshe, right? Is that Moshe Rabbeinu said this is tefillin, and that religion says no, no, no. It's, it's a mashal. It's a mashal. What is it? What's the nimshal? Whatever you want it to be, right? 
It's the same, the same mistake can be made with Pnei Satara. The secrets of what Shemar Echai is coming to do is to say it's not a mushal. It, 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 we're not, we're not, I'm not just saying words, Hashem loves us, Hashem is with us, Hashem, Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is there. It's not a marshal to some idea that I don't even know what that means. And only great Kabbalists know what that means. Great Kabbalists, they don't know what that means either. right? The, if it's a marshal to a nimshal, then the nimshal is not anything of this world that you could even have, a, that you could process at all. So who's gaining from that? Nobody. So you reach here, Shir, man. It's all a, a mushal to Hashem and the Jewish people. What is the nimshal? I have no idea. So how is that different than the Christians saying that Yiddish, that the bris is a mushal? It's not a mushal. Das is das. Das is das. When 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 Jewish people down here love each other, when whenever there's a sense of connection or any experience, that is called a that's that that's a divine experience. Whenever we you're stuck in traffic somewhere, you're that's that's. That's a reality that is a reflection of some reality of the higher world. But you are experiencing that divine reality on a level where it descends all the way down here. What does traffic mean up there? I don't know, but guess what? It's traffic. So when you're stuck in traffic, thus is thus. What you want to now know what it means, and you want to be able to subtly climb the ladder to know, to, to experience what traffic is like on the level of Atsilas. Okay, go on the journey. But you should know, with all of your travels up there, at the end of the day, you're still in traffic. And that's the reality of it. So you see what this does, is that this completely equates the playing field of every Jew. Because no matter what you're experiencing, what you're experiencing is absolutely real. Do you understand it? Can you articulate it? Do you understand what this reality is on higher levels? Maybe yes, maybe no. But the reality that you're experiencing is absolutely real. That's what Rabbi Shemar brought to the world. What Rabbi Shemar brought to the world is not any new idea. He didn't give us new ideas, and he didn't give us a new language how to somehow figure out new ideas. What Rabbi Shemar did is he took Yidin and he said, you're talking about the Rabbani Shalom, you want to know about the higher world, let me show you what the higher world looks like. And you know what he did? He just opened our eyes to see the reality that we are already living. And this is exactly, that's why the, the Arizal and the Zara Kaddish are not contradicting each other. When the Zara Kaddish says that everything Rishon Baruchai said were words that were mamish open, there's no greater revelation than, than to say, than being in traffic. It's mamish tangible. That's what Rishon Baruchai was saying. Rishon Baruchai was revealing to you the depth of your, the experience that you are experiencing already, that you know you're experiencing. But at the same time, because he's not trying to, to th- that's what he's trying to do, so that's very hidden, because I still don't know, I still don't understand, or I don't, uh, I, I, you know, I'm still in traffic. But that's the point. That's the point. So you understand, you understand the point over here? When the Rizal said that, the, that there's two different types of tzaddikim, there's a type of tzaddik which says openly secrets of Torah, as opposed to Roshem Rechai type of tzaddik, who's able to say things in a way that you don't even chap what he's trying to say, what it means is as follows. There's, there are certain types of tzaddikim that they're trying to tell you the ideas of the higher world. So that's very, very nice. But very few people can figure that out and to understand what that's talking about. The greatness of Roshem Rechai is that he's not trying to tell you ideas. He's trying to allow you to experience that reality. And that reality he's showing you is a reality that's concealed. It's a reality that, 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 
that you went into the shir trying to get to get away from. And Rishim Bukhay is just telling you nothing you didn't already know. Because what you know is that I got stuck in traffic today. And now I know that traffic is real. Okay, so I, I knew that before. So what do you tell me? Uh, but now you know what traffic is. And you know that you know that it's a it's a tail end of something much, much deeper. So you, now you want to know what that is. You want to be able to climb the ladder, so climb the ladder. Well, let's see what he says. So he says again, uh, uh, third line. What that reality, the reality that you're experiencing, what that reality is on more subtle levels, that's, that's unknowable. At some point it becomes unknowable in terms of what this reality is on a God level. Only God knows what love is what his love is. But his love to the Jewish people is the root of our love for each other. So at the end of the day, when we love each other, that's called, we're in the, we, we're in the same story as God's love. What that love feels like on his level, that we might not understand, but, we're, but that's what we are experiencing it on our level. Only God understands himself. No one else besides God understands what these things mean on his level. Therefore, the point is no longer, since the Rishim Barichai, the point is no longer to try to understand what's going on in the higher world. That's not the point. The point is to try to deepen the experience of what you're having here in this world. Try to, to, to get to more subtle levels of, of, of your reality. And this is what the Rizal himself says. The Rizal always uses languages of saying that what I'm talking about, the, the, the lights that I'm talking about, are very subtle and very spiritual. Like the Pasuk says, that it's nothing physical. The reason doesn't just say everything I'm saying is a mashal. He doesn't say that. He says everything I'm saying is subtle. Everything I'm t- describing is extremely subtle. But he doesn't just say it's a mashal, because it's not a mashal. It's exactly what he's saying. It's exactly what he's saying. But what does that mean on a divine level? I don't know. But that, but that reality that the Rizal is talking about is, tr- is the same reality on the divine level, all the way descending into, a phys- into, our, into our reality. And that, and that reality that I'm experiencing down here is true, is real, is a derivative, is, is the body to the neshama, right, of that higher level, but it's absolutely true. Therefore, the Rizal describes the reality he's talking about not as a marshal. He says it. It's just very subtle. It's very subtle. This is what it means. Rishon Merchai said words that are revealed and not and not in not in story form. It wasn't Mishalim. Thus is thus. Now we'll just end with this. And next week we'll 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 make this a little bit more tangible. And this is what makes learning Pneum Satara or connecting to Rav Shimon so profound. To use the languages that Chazal gave us with the Zayar and the Rizal and Tanakh, when we use those languages, we're saying the absolute truth. 
When you say that Hashem loves you with an eternal love and you reach your Hashem, and again, uh, description of a chas and a ka, that is the absolute truth. It's not a marshal to anything else. That's the reality. And by the way, says the and when you evoke those words, then what? Then you're activating that truth on its highest level. When you, when you say Shir Hashirim down here, then that, that is, that's not a muscle to something else. That is the absolutely perfect description of that reality on the most divine level. And because of that, that divine level of love is activated when you say those words. And the flow of love then begins to trickle down into your life. All because you said the proper words and you said it as it is. If it was just a mushal, if these were just stories that human beings came up with to try to convey esoteric ideas, then it's not going to act. Then, then, then the mushal is it's it's a it's a boy who cried wolf. It, 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 it's 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 essentially meaningless, and it doesn't do anything. He says, no, no, no. This is mamish the truth. This is mamish real. It's taris emes, and because of that, when you say these words, you're activating these truths. When you do a chesed down here. That is, it's like a, it's like a rope. Like the, that's how the Chazal described like a rope, and, you, and the rope is all the way down, and you shake it from the bottom, and all of a sudden, it has a ripple effect, it shakes all the way on top. That's because the, the, the chesed, when you do chesed down here, that's a derivative of the chesed above. We, again, you, we might not understand what, the, what that looks, what that feels like on its highest level, but that is the reality that we're experiencing when we have chesed down here. <clears throat> so he says, Again, by saying these words down here and by acting with these words down here, we, we motivate the, 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 this reality above. That it should become in a revealed way. And that flow of chesed, for example, should flow down here. This is not like how some Kubalim made the mistake of thinking, to think that everything in the secrets of Torah is just a muscle to some other place. No, no, that's exactly the way it is. Okay, so this is, this is, this is uh, again, I, I, I said in the beginning that the first year is always going to be more up there than Mazashem, you know, part two will be more, more practical. But this is the idea that we're coming away with right now, which is that, that where Shemar Yichai reveals to us is, is that not only... Just like Moshe Rabbeinu, when he gave us mitzvahs, the mitzvahs that he gave us were mamish tangible and real. They're not a muscle to anything else. This is exactly what I mean. When I say bris milah, I mean bris milah. When I say tefillin, I mean tefillin. When I say Shabbos, I mean Shabbos. I don't mean a muscle to anything else. That's exactly what Rishim Baruchay did to Secrets of Tyre. That when I'm talking about uh, all the descriptions I'm talking about, which are very human and very relationship-oriented, whether it be a king to a servant or a husband to a wife and a father to a child, Rishim Baruchay is saying, I'm telling you as it is. I'm not giving you, a, it's not a muscle to anything else, and I'm using very earthly language, I'm using very human language. So you might look at that as saying, in, in a way, as if I'm hiding my point. But Rishim Baruchay, in truth, is not hiding anything. He's telling you exactly what it is. And what he's telling you is, is that everything you're feeling and everything you're experiencing is a piece of something much bigger than you could possibly imagine. And it's as real as it is in the higher world as well. Okay, that's Hashem. And then it's Elvis Chizik. That's Lag Baimriz. It's a celebration of, of, of life. It's a celebration of everything we're experiencing. Just like Rabbi just like is for every Jew, so Shimon is for every single Jew. Because every single Jew now knows that what you experience in life is absolutely real and essential and, 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 and divine. And, and divine origin. That's what, it, that's what it is. Okay. Shabbat Shalom. Okay, Shkaich. Okay.